This semester is going to be a great semester here on Wednesday nights. I am absolutely pumped about this, about this semester on Wednesday nights. Not even using the chair, so I don't know why I brought it up here. This semester, we're going to do something a little bit different. Roughly every other week or so, we're going to hear testimonies from different people in, in our church family and in our community. Every other week when we're not hearing a testimony from somebody in our church family and in our community, we're going to hear a testimony from somebody in the Bible. We're going to change the Bible up a little bit and one week hear the testimony of David. One week hear the testimony of Solomon. One week hear the testimony of Paul. Hearing the testimonies of people in the Bible, not just as it, as if we're reading the Bible because we're reading the Bible, but to really realize that they, they were human beings just like us and we need to learn from their life. But we're also going to hear testimonies from people in this community and in this church. Some people who are here in this building right now. We're going to hear the testimony next week. I'm not going to tell you who, but from somebody that is a teenager among you. We're going to hear that testimony next week. We're going to hear the testimony from multiple people in the following weeks. Come Valentine's Day, we're going to have a panel of people up here to hear a testimony of love and marriage to see what, what God wants out of a Christian marriage and what God wants you to do because none of y'all are married or getting married, but what God wants you to do when you're dating somebody or looking for a future spouse. So I'm absolutely pumped for that this semester. But we've got to start out first seeing why. Why are we going to do that? Why are we going to listen to testimonies? And our scripture passage today, I don't have it on screen, and I apologize. I need to do that a little bit better next time. comes from Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verses 14 through 28, says this. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molded molder, why have you made me this like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called? So let's break that down. That's a lot right there. So we've got to break that down. And I want us to see a few specific verses out of that. The first specific verse out of that that I want us to look at is verse number 16. It says this, So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. One of my favorite movies, probably number two or number three, is Remember the Titans. Early on in Remember the Titans, Coach Boone says, I expect perfection. You fumble the ball, you run a mile. 
You miss a block, you run a mile. You miss a tackle, you run a mile. You miss a catch, you run a mile. I expect perfection. Later in the movie, I think in the final game, when they're struggling at halftime, he says, guys, win or lose, I still love you. And one of the players says, coach, that's, that's not what you've called us to do. That's not the standard that you've called us to be at. He says, now I'm not perfect, and neither one of us are perfect. But as a team, we have not lost, which means as a team, we are perfect. And we're going to go out there and we're going to strive for perfection. In our life, not a single one of us is perfect. And you see this slide up here, perfection crossed out. That's kind of the theme of this semester. A theme of no perfect people or no perfection. Because as you're going to see in some of these testimonies, life has been rough on some people. Whether they've made it rough on themselves or it was just rough on on them. We're going to hear some testimonies of people who did some junk in their life and had to come out of it. We're going to hear some testimonies of other people who have been in junk that they were just born with. And yet God has brought them out of it. Because nobody is perfect. But I'm glad that nobody's perfect. Because verse 16 tells us that there's nothing that we can do to get to heaven. Our salvation doesn't depend on us. If salvation depended on us, there'd be no salvation because none of us are perfect. But because salvation doesn't depend on us, because it depends on a perfect God, we can be made perfect through him. When I was your age, my life was pretty good. Yeah, I've struggled with things in my life, but at that time, my life, maybe kind of like y'all's, was good. I had good friends. I had good family. I hadn't lost any loved ones in life. I mean, life was pretty good. But I'd go to church on Sundays, Wednesdays, and I'd hear testimonies at special events, things like that, of people who had done drugs and come out of drugs, people who had done alcohol and gotten out of alcohol, people who had come from slavery and gotten out of slavery. And I thought, I don't have a testimony. I don't have something that I've gotten out of. I can't, I can't bring people to Christ through what I've done because I haven't done anything because my life's been pretty good. Jesus taught me at that time, be careful what you ask for because I asked for a testimony. And I'm going to share with y'all later this semester my testimony. But I asked for a testimony, and so then I started doing some junk in my life that made a testimony. But I feel like sometimes when I do that junk in my life, I can't talk to God. I don't know if you ever feel like that, but I feel like when I sin, I've got to go two, three days without reading the Bible. I've got to go two, three days without praying. I've got to go two, three days without talking to God after sin. But that's not how it's supposed to be. Because God loves us no matter what. Last semester, many of y'all came up here on this stage or over at the VFW and repeated to us a verse from Romans 8 that says, Nothing we can do can separate us from the love of God. Our salvation doesn't depend on ourselves because we're not perfect. But because God is perfect... We can be made perfect through him. So that's number one. That's the first thing we see in this passage, and that's the first thing we've got to know for this semester. 
when we hear some testimonies of people who have done some stupid stuff in their life, we've got to remember that they're not perfect and neither are we. And that there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Christianity is not a religion where you can earn your salvation. If somebody ever says, you can do enough to get to heaven, or you can, you can volunteer more, or you can, you can do other stuff so that you can get to heaven. You've got to do good works to get to heaven. Christianity is not like that. Christianity is a, a relationship-based religion with God. The only thing we can do for ourselves to get to heaven is repent at the feet of a holy God and let him know that we love him and ask him to forgive us of our sins. It's the only thing we can do to earn salvation. Everything else fully comes from God. So there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. I should have passed these things out Maybe there's not a hole in this one. If there's not enough for everybody, including the adults, everybody needs some Play-Doh. Who doesn't want Play-Doh? Open up your Play-Doh when you get your Play-Doh. Blame Walmart. I was the one that bagged them, so I guess I bagged them too heavy. Hey, pass them out. I got to get. Is Jake upstairs? Are Jake and Sawyer upstairs on the computer, or are they downstairs? Has somebody gotten some to Jake and Sawyer? Okay. Somebody got a good enough arm to get it up there? Did everybody get some? Everybody in the back? Here's, here's your next verse from our scripture passage. Chapter 9, verses, let's see, 21. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Take your Play-Doh out. Actually answer me this question. Has anybody submitted a piece of artwork or anything like that into the county fair or, or some art competition? Yes. Has anybody won anything in that? Third place. Has anybody won first place? Were you proud? Were you proud of what you submitted? I was. Good. When we submit something like that, when we make something, we are proud typically of what we make, especially if it gets first place. God is our potter. A potter means he takes the clay, or in this case, Play-Doh, and he molds our life. And he makes it what he wants it to be like. Make something ugly. Make something with your Play-Doh that's just as ugly as can be. And you got about three seconds to do it. Okay. Are you proud of that ugly thing? No. No. Make something, take a little bit more time, make something that looks nice. Roll it up. 
Make it look decent. I always like making them warm because that's about all I can make. I made the best stick figure person ever the other day. Best artwork I've ever done. Stick, stick figure person. He had hair. He had like hands and fingers and toes. He was pretty good. Good stick figure person. When we make something good, we're proud of what we make. The Bible says in Genesis 1, verse 31, that God was very pleased with what he had made. That comes after he makes us. Before he made humans, when he'd made everything else on earth, God said, this is good. But after he made humans, he said, this is very good. God is molding your life. God is shaping you to be who he wants you to be. And if he is the potter, if he is the creator, there is nothing that you can do to fix what he wants you, wants you to be. Look at your Play-Doh. Just take it out and look at it. Imagine yourself as this Play-Doh. Imagine yourself as the Play-Doh. Now watch it. Let's all look at our Play-Doh, and let's see if the Play-Doh can force itself to change. Has anybody's Play-Doh changed? Has anybody's Play-Doh changed colors? You just held it out like this, and it just changed. You didn't do anything to it. It broke. Okay. My gosh, what a great analogy right there. Without, without a creator, without a good creator, we break. We just split in half without a good creator. There goes Play-Doh all over the stage right there. Without a good creator, we break. But you know what we try to do so often in our life? Instead of letting God be the potter of our life, you know what we do? We try to change ourselves. We try to say, God, I don't like the look of that. I don't like the look of my ears. I don't look like the look of my weight on the scale. I don't like the look of my nose. I don't like that I'm not athletic enough. I don't like that I'm not talented enough. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like the family I was given. I don't like whatever. So we change ourselves up and we go and we sin. And when we do, we make things a little bit uglier. Take just a little piece, a little, little piece about this size, of a different color from somebody beside you. Trade with somebody and take a different color from somebody, just a little piece. Swap with them. Take a different color and put it in your play <laughs> Yes, it should be. It should be a sin in daycare. If you want real Play-Doh, good Play-Doh after this, I'll give you a whole brand new thing of Play-Doh if you want more once we're done. Take it in and mush it in. Or whatever you want to do to create your masterpiece. <laughs> you can take all the different colors. Now take a different color from somebody else. You should have three colors now in your Play-Doh. Somebody down there who doesn't have green, toss me some Play-Doh. Hit me up, Buffington. I can't see. I really couldn't see. I didn't realize I couldn't see. 
I thought, oh, she just faked it. There you go. Thanks, sir. No Somebody without green or blue. Who's got a yellow over here or something like that? Without green or white. Somebody give me some purple or orange. There we go. I could almost see that. When we sin, when we sin, we put a different piece of color in our life. When we sin, and then we're not perfect. And then we sin again and we put a little different color in. And we sin again and we put some different color in. And we sin again and we put some different color in. And sooner or later, we don't look anything like we once did. Sooner or later, we don't look anything like God created us to be. But you know what God does? He comes in and he takes that sin. And he doesn't just wipe it away. But he makes a masterpiece out of it with it. I meant to, and I apologize, I meant to get a picture if you... I'm not going to tell you Google things because I don't like telling people Google things because you never know what comes up on Google. But there's some pictures on Google of Plato that people have made beautiful art pieces with Plato, different colors of Plato. That's what God does for us. He makes us into a beautiful piece of art. And you know the saying, forgive and forget? That's a good saying, and we need to follow it sometimes. But there's a lot of times in our life when we don't need to forget. Testimonies that you're going to hear this semester, some of these people who have done junk in their life haven't forgotten because it made them who they were. Look, I'm going to tell you my testimony later in this semester. But my freshman year, I cheated on my girlfriend. If I had not cheated on my girlfriend, if, if I had done what I probably honestly should have done in a way, I probably would not be married to Lane right now because I don't think I would have been ready by the time that I met her. But it was a sin in my life and it was the aftermath of the sin that prepared me for my future wife. I'm not going around and saying sin because sin's going to prepare you. No. I'm saying if I had just thrown that to the side, I don't think I'd be prepared but because I allowed it to fester inside of me and I allowed it to change my life and I allowed it to make me a better human, I started focusing in on God more. I started reading my Bible more. I started praying more. And so I was prepared for it when the time came. God makes beautiful masterpieces. And your, your junk in your life might be the things, like I said earlier, that you put in your life. It might be the sins that you did. Or it might be the sins that somebody else did to you. Some of us have had physical illness happen to us that we couldn't control. Some of us have had other people sin against us that we couldn't control. When that happens, are we going to fester in hatred towards those people? Or are we going to allow that story to be known throughout the world? 
so that God's name is lifted up on high. So that we can say, I show grace and I show mercy to these people. Maybe not at that time. Maybe I hated them with all my guts for the first year or two. But overall, God, God showed me how to give them forgiveness and use that story to change somebody else's life. The different colors in our Play-Doh might make for ugly Play-Doh. But when a good creator gets his hands on it, it makes for something beautiful. It makes for something pretty. So God's the potter in our life. God is in charge of our life. And there's nothing we can do to change that. But we also see, last thing, and then we got to wrap up. Verse 22 says, In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for, for glory. The things that happen in our life, whether they suck, whether we did it ourselves, or whether somebody else did it, it happens for the glory of God. And that is absolutely amazing. So whatever happens in your life, whatever sins you've committed, whatever sins somebody else has committed, whatever different color is in your life that you hate, don't look at it as a stain or ugly color. Look at it as a stained glass window. I don't know if you can see. There's no light up there. Beautiful stained glass window up there. Look at your life as a stained glass window and use it for the glory of God. Three things I want you to be prepared for for this semester. And number one, A, is this. Every person has made a mistake. There are no perfect people. Number one, B, is this. Maybe you haven't made a big mistake. Maybe you were 13 years old like I was and you thought the worst thing I've done is hated my mother and my brothers and my sisters and lied a little bit and maybe stolen from my sisters. Maybe that's the worst thing you've done. Something stupid has happened in your life. Every person has either done something stupid or had something stupid happen to them. I guarantee it. Number two is this. You're never too far gone for God. Number three. People want to use their mistakes to lead you closer to God. People want to tell you, good Christians want to tell you their story to lead you closer to God. I'm excited for this semester. I'm excited to see the stories of how different colors came into somebody's Play-Doh, whether good or bad, and it changed their life for the good because God used it for his glory. I'm going to pray, and then we'll stand up and sing our final song.